Hello everyone. I wanted to firstly say a massive thank you for supporting the show this year. We've had huge amounts of growth in 2023. We've reached over a million people this year alone with the podcast. It's been our biggest year yet in terms of the amount of recruiters that are listening to this podcast every single week. So a massive thank you to all of you that have shared the podcast, that continue to listen week after week. I massively appreciate you. And also for all of you that have also come along to the live podcast events this year in Bristol, London and Manchester. There's definitely going to be more of those uh, in 2024. So I look forward to hopefully seeing some of you at those events. Like we did last year, I'm going to give you the pleasure of being able to cast yourself back to some of the most listened to episodes this year. And it's going to be the top five. So I hope you have a fantastic Christmas break. And when you maybe find yourself going for a walk or want something to listen to uh, during that Christmas break that's going to get you ready for 2024, a big 2024, then maybe you can come back to these most listened to episodes of the year, the top five. Enjoy them. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Obviously, it's your birthday tomorrow. You're on annual leave today. Mm -hmm. And you're you're with me in the podcast studio. Yeah, on holiday. It's, it's it's appreciated. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Obviously, I've we've had a few failed attempts where I I'll be honest with you, I've reached out with not that much time, and then you've been like, I can imagine you're like, this guy's just trying to get me in when he's just got someone dropped out. Or yeah, like that. I was thinking that. For a while. <laughs> no, no, I know you're busy as well, so I was like, whatever. Um, so yeah, really excited to sit down with you. I think what prompted me reaching out to you was I'm pretty sure it was when you posted that you won the perm consultant of the year mm -hmm. and I think I've shared with you right that when I saw that I was like perfect right Amy would you ever be you know against coming on the podcast You're like no um we'll definitely be up for that and always try and be proactive because I find it harder to get women on the podcast mm. I just do so you know anyone that is shouting about their achievements and is female I'm like hey do you want to come on the podcast? Let's chat. Yeah, yeah, let's chat, right? Yeah. So what we're going to do today, just to give people some immediate context, so you let me know if I get any of this wrong, but when we prepared for this, obviously you started your recruitment career at Austin Fraser in 2017, and I think mm -hmm. you shared with me, you know, you was right, quite honest with me, you was like, you know what, in those first three years, I really found it tough to, like, find, you know, my sweet spot, mm -hmm. be as good as I am now. And where you've really found your your home is in the last two years with Adeco. And that's what we really wanted to focus on today because you joined that business and you were building a team from scratch. And I think a lot of people have aspirations to do that, build their desk. So we just really today wanted to focus on how you've gone about that and the things that you've learned. Right. Yeah, yeah. So just to give people context on that. So for the last two years, so join Adeco September 2021. Yeah. And you joined there to build out a market from scratch, which was in the life science space, mm -hmm. all perm. All perm, yeah. And obviously previously you did contract, yeah. right? So all perm. In your first year, you did 255 and you're now in the, you know, the thick of your second year. In that first year, you won 29 clients, mm -hmm. 22 of those clients you did more than one placement with. Your average deal size was between eight to 12 grand. You've only worked in the, U uh, the UK market with this desk. Um, and you're halfway through, you know, the second year and you have goals to hopefully break the 300 grand mark. Yes. And obviously those achievements there was what enabled you to get that permanent of the year uh, award at ADECO, right? Yes. Is that across like the... Yeah, ADECO split 
it's such a huge business, right? Yeah. There's people all over. But in terms of the London team, you've got a specialism sector, which involves life science, IT, lots mm. of different people across the UK and Ireland as well. But there's certain people that will come into that category. And then if you've done great billings or you might have different categories such as like pulled certain amount of clients but mine was purely on billings so yeah it was spread within a specialisms market in order to break it down so otherwise you'd have too many people going on like the end of year trip yeah and that's what it was for so it was i was buzzing like it was one first whole year got on the trip which is always like a a massive goal Mm. right you want to go out and enjoy yourself so yeah it was all around the the billings Athens in Greece. Nice. Yeah, it rained the whole time, but it's still great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start with the million pound question, which I always like to start with. Amy's perspective on characteristics and traits of a highly successful recruiter in today's market. Okay. I think the first thing I'll always say is be yourself. And I know that sounds so, so simple, but it's something that loads of people failed to do. I failed to do. In I started in sales in working in a state agency and then I moved into recruitment. And in a state agency, I worked in Henley, which is like quite a well-to-do area. There's a lot of posh people there and I'm so far from that. (laughs) But my boss was like, right, when people come in, you need to be like, yes, sir, madam. And it just, it didn't work. Like, Mm. that's not who I am. That's not how I speak. So I struggled with that and I started to find my own in that. But then when I moved to recruitment, it was the same. I was trying to put on this persona of, oh, I'm really, I've just started out, but I've got to be really good at my job. I've got to know Mm. everything. And I didn't. And I was trying to put on this persona and it wasn't who I was. And I was speaking in a way that was probably a little bit more like hosher than I Mm. am as well. But people see right through it. So you've got to be yourself. And it was only when I started showing up as myself that I made some really good connections and relationships with clients. Because I think when you are yourself, those relationships that you're going to build, they're authentic. They're going to work with you because they're you. If they're working with you and you're not yourself, those relationships aren't going to last because at the end of the day you're not going to meet on certain values Mm. and so be yourself is the most important thing people will work with you for you I think as well you know you've probably you've spoken with loads of recruiters right it's still got a bad rep and it needs to change in that people aren't honest they're not feeding back then they don't care maybe about people's experience in the process and I see it all the time on LinkedIn there's loads of redundancies and people just aren't hearing back from recruiters one of my friends the other day he was in a process and the recruiter said he'd call them never called him he chased they finally called him three times after chasing for a job they said they put him forward and then again never heard back and it's like that's too common Mm. so I think you just need to do what you say you're going to do as a person so if you say you're going to call someone at a certain time Mm. call them at that time and make sure they just have a good experience so be honest be yourself have a good experience with that person and treat them how you want to be treated and if you just do that it sounds super simple but you'll probably be 100% better Mm. than a lot of other people that are doing that job because they'll be missing out on those things just curious be yourself Mm. with your journey did that coincide with amy knowing who amy was more yeah for sure as you get older right you start to realize what you care about what you don't care about and what all the white noises in the background Mm. and I think when you're younger you want to please so many people and there's a lot of expectation a lot of pressure and you don't know who you are as much but I'm towards the end of my 20s now (laughs) last year coming up yeah getting there um (laughs) not quite there's still things to work on obviously but yeah I know I know what I can handle more and I know who I am way more than I Mm. was so that will definitely come with time you'll just you'll find your way and you've got to make mistakes to get there as well yeah I just think it's a good insight like if because I do hear that a lot and how much more fun work would be if you feel like you can be yourself. And, you know, one of the ways you can get there more quickly is trying to, you know, work on understanding who you are, what's important to you, these things. Mm, So it's interesting that you said that. So let's just get straight into this then. So, like, what was the plan 
for starting this market? Because I think you said to me that the first thing you did was you mapped the market. And this is quite a common exercise that I think sometimes people don't take as seriously or great recruiters will make sure that they map the market. So talk us through your business plan for you know starting this desk from scratch. How did you go about identifying the right companies? What made up from your perspective the right companies? Mm-hmm. Let's just sort of start there and, and we'll get straight into it. Yeah, okay. So yeah, mapping the market can mean so many different things, yeah. right? And you're like, well, what does that actually mean? For me, I've had experience before where I've gone into a business and it's already been mapped, but I found that really difficult because there was so much data on there that I didn't know what to do with it. I was in a really unique position that I've gone into a clean database. There's pretty much no candidates. There's no clients. So I've got everything to play with from scratch. It's super cool. So what I would do in order to map out the market, I need to find out who hires QARA specialists And how do they hire them? So to do that, it would be speaking with candidates and speaking with clients and making every conversation, as much as you're helping them, what do they want out of looking for a job? Like, where do they want to work? What are their drivers? You need to then position that to help yourself. So where do they work? What's their team size? Like, How many people have they hired or lost within that period of time? How did they get that job? Was that through an agency? Like, Ask the questions and make it a really well-rounded conversation so that you're both getting something to support yourself and you know you can help grow your market once you've had those questions with candidates and clients you'll start to see okay these people have all hired been hired using an agency what kind of agency are there are they life science specific or are they really generalist because a lot of the time I find if they are generalist they struggle it's a long time to find people just because they've got so many different Mm. jobs they don't know those niche languages and the conversations to have with the candidates so I would say you need to map out that way and you make a list of clients Equally, another way that you can map it, not only having those conversations, but leads, right? So all the time you hear about people, I've got an interview here or I've been offered a job here, but I'm not taking it. Whatever you do with that, you might go and then try and chase that yourself. That's brilliant. But if not, I have this Excel spreadsheet where I'm like, okay, this business have been hiring loads. And every time I get a lead, I write that lead down on my Excel spreadsheet and then I organize that A to Z. And that will then populate. So it might be 10 lists of the company, basically. So it might be the company 10 times. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, they've went to hire 10 times within the last year. They're someone that I want to go after. Whereas I might have only got one lead for another company. And that might then equate to they're actually not hiring that much. So they're not going to be a huge target. So firstly, you've got to understand that. And then once you've got that, it's all about the touch points. So how frequently are you contacting them? And then what approach does that look like? So once you know the agency spend how often they're hiring, what Mm. the roles are that they're hiring for. It's then all about the approach. Right. Okay. Let's break this down. So firstly, we'd love to know Mm. what columns are in the spreadsheet. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? I just did a training session on this last week. So what are the the columns in the spreadsheet? Because every time we've asked it's been a spreadsheet for people, what are the columns in your spreadsheet? I love a spreadsheet, right? We spend so much money on CRMs and then we've got this this Excel spreadsheet that does it for me. Right. I've got loads of different spreadsheets. If we're looking at, I'm going to first talk about my client spreadsheet because I think that would help people the most. So my columns are, trying to visualize it now, I've got clients with terms of business agreed. Yeah. Anybody that I have agreed terms with, they are in that column, they're in that list, because then I will contact them. They're in my diary, they're diarised in my calendar. Every six weeks, I'll spend a whole week going through and retouching, well, touching base again. I hate that word, touching base. I'm not going to use that again, don't let me use that again. (laughs) But getting in touch with those clients to keep those relationships alight. So that's my terms of business agreed. I've then got a traction client list, keep in touch. So if I've ever sent a mail shot or anyone's ever come back to me on just a buy-in signal, 
that client's going in that What's column. What's it called? Traction. Traction, keep in touch. Okay. So they might have been, oh, can I see the CV? Or mm. oh, I'm interested. We might be hiring in a month. It's so often that we're just chasing new leads, chasing new business. You forget about those people that have given you buying signals. So if you just keep a list of those, they've come back to me at some point. Again, they're on my six weekly schedule to call. Chip away at them. And at yeah. some point, a lot of the time, they then move over into mm-hmm. the, them. Then, so I've got terms of business agreed. Traction. Traction, keep in touch. What about target? Have you got a target? Yes, target client list. So that's the one when I've mapped it out. Yeah. These are the like 10, 15 clients where I'm like, I really want to work with them. And I tell them I want to work with them as well, mm. like in my emails. Not begging, but I'm like, I actually really want to work with you. And this is why. Like, I yeah. really like that you're doing this. Those target client lists in my approach... We'll come on to it, but they're my like really targeted email shots or yeah. conversations. You're doing BD, the BD piece of uh, yeah, exactly. And they're the like ones that I'm doing a lot of research and spending a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I might have like old clients. So these are clients that I might have worked with at previous companies mm-hmm. or worked with in the past, but the love's gone a little bit. And we haven't worked with them in the last year. So they're just slow burners trying to get them back onto the terms of business. Yeah. So it's only really four columns, mm. but they build out. And oh, one last one, if there's any leads, I'm obviously lead chasing. Mm. But that one I mentioned to you, once all of the leads is moved from the period of chasing to, okay, they must have filled it, they've not come back. Mm. That goes in my lead no response column. Okay. Because that's how I build out, right, this business, they've been hiring and looking for 10 people in the last three months. Mm. They're someone I really want to target. So Again, another BD session in one of my weeks will be calling through the lead, leads, no response. No response, yeah. Because okay. it's so hard, right? When you're doing BD, a lot of the time people will say to me, I don't know who to contact. Exactly. Well, if you've got this spreadsheet, you've already got five columns now mm. with people that you can contact and schedule that each week alongside so many other ways to BD. And it just helps take that mental strain off a little bit sometimes. Oh my God, yeah. And I wish I had mm. a spreadsheet like that. Yeah. It just makes what your BD so much more purposeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's a lot more focused. It's a lot more intentional. Yeah. And it's just smarter. So just to round that out then. Yes. Just to wrap up those columns so everyone understands yeah. what those are, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got, let's just start from the right to the left. So just go back from where we just started, if that's okay. okay. So we've yeah. got at the, the very start way. then. So at the very, <laughs> the very start, we've got, have we just got leads? Yeah. So the one we just said was yeah. the leads where they've not come back. Okay. Like, leads, no response. Yeah. And then we've got what? Like leads chasing or active leads? Uh, yeah, that's I didn't even mention that one, but you have got your active lead yeah. chasing as well. That's another column. Okay, lead yeah. no response, active leads. Mm-hmm. And then have we then got... Old clients. Old clients. That no, no love anymore, but yeah. I work with them at some point in my life. And you've got a buying signal one, what was it? The... Uh, yeah, so that's the client's uh, traction keep in touch list. Yeah. And then you've got your terms of business agreed clients as well. And then you've got your dream client and list. Yeah, yeah, your target client list as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. And they're the companies that you've known... F- by getting information mm-hmm. that they're, you know, hiring a lot, they're probably spending a lot on agency spend and yes. they would be a good customer to get in with, right? Yeah, definitely. They tick those boxes. Okay. Fair to say that like having a process like that has been fundamental for you to get, you know, acquire those number of clients that you did and to get the most out of those clients and to get the most out of your BD activity. This podcast is proudly partnered with One Up Sales. So before we dive into our topic for the day, Let's take a moment to talk about something crucial to any successful recruitment business. Engagement. When your recruitment consultants are engaged, they're more productive, more efficient, and simply better at what they do. But how do you boost engagement? Well, that is where OneUp Sales comes into play. This innovative sales performance management platform leverages the power of gamification 
to make work not just work, but something exciting, competitive, and rewarding. We all know how competitive recruiters are, and it's delving into that, it's tapping into that. So with features like dynamic leaderboards, personalized competitions, and real-time analytics, one Up Sales helps to motivate your team, pushing them to achieve their best. And with one Up Sales, you're not just managing your team, you're inspiring them to greater heights. Engage your consultants, empower your business. Let's one up your agency. Because you listen to this podcast, you will get 10% off the user price forever. You're not getting this deal anywhere else. Click the show notes, check out the product, book in a conversation. And you're going to get your hands on an absolute game-changing piece of tech that's going to enable you to engage and motivate your recruitment teams. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, because otherwise, back in the day, you'd say, do a BD power hour. And I'm thinking, I don't know who to call. call. Yeah, Yeah. who am I going to call? Like, And I know I've got this whole database, but I'm just calling people for the sake of calling Mm. it. There's no structure. This structure has honestly changed the game because you you know who you're targeting and you've got that consistency. They're going to at least hear from me once every six weeks. Yeah, Not too much, but it's all about the approach. So I want to go into like the approach because I think that's a natural thing, but just very quickly on building the information on this spreadsheet because that's going to be fundamental. Mm -hmm. So... I think you said you said earlier about speaking to clients, speak to candidates, make sure, you know, there's a value exchange or like share things like whatever. Like if you're starting a market, how can you do that? Because, yeah. you know, if you're calling me and you're like, yeah, so, you know, started at a deco, building a desk from scratch. Like what, what have you got to, to give me if you've got no jobs, you're not working with any customers? Mm. How did you approach getting this information? Like why would these people give you time, particularly clients who are busy mm. that have things that need to do? So like why would these people give you time to get the information that you need? Yeah, that's a really great question. And that's something I struggled with when I started. I didn't know anything. Why am I calling these people? Yeah. Because why are they going to give me anything? Like they're not getting anything in return. And the way, so if anyone's listening now and they're just starting a market, it's all comes back to this honesty piece. So I would call people, I see them online and I say, look, I'm going to level with you. I've just started out with this market so that they know. I want to be able to speak with really great candidates and help them find jobs. And I've seen that you're looking and from what I can see, your skill set looks great. I might not understand all the lingo. So you might have to speak with me in layman's terms, but I'd love to understand a bit more about you and then talk you through like how I can help you and go out and find you a job. And you can say, I don't have loads of jobs at the moment, but that's a good thing because I can actually work with you and go out and try and find them for you. So firstly, be really honest in your approach with them. But then what you can also do, you might not have jobs and I still do this and It gets a very mixed opinion from people. But if I don't have a job, but I see that a business is hiring and I know I've been trying to get in with them. I can't get in with them. There's nothing I can do at the minute. I'm going to tell them that they're hiring. I'll say to this candidate, look, I don't work with this company, but I've actually seen on LinkedIn, you're a regulatory manager. This business are looking for a regulatory manager. I think you could be a good fit. Have you seen it? No, they haven't seen it. Why don't you apply directly? They're hiring on LinkedIn. Mm. Because I can't help everybody. I can't work with every single Mm. client as much as I want to. And I like to think that good things come back around. So if they do apply directly and they get the job, who knows, maybe one day they'll work with me or they'll put in a good word for me. And so I think it's just, you've got to be really honest, but you you can always give them something even if you don't have anything. Don't start spinning a lie don't do fake jobs like none of that works it just gets you in hot water be honest with them tell them what you found see if you can help them how can you leave a good impression even if you've not got a job for them at that time mm. and then they'll they'll give you more information it's just that exchange really just keep it real yeah keep it real okay fair enough and then how long did it take you then to 
really start gaining some like traction because that period can feel tough so like mm. how long was it until where you were actually then being able to get in the room with potential clients hiring managers mm -hmm. did that take long or yeah I mean I've been doing recruitment for six years now mm. and I remember when I went into recruitment and there was all these people having success around me and it just felt like it was never going to come for me so I don't want to talk crap on here yeah. and say you're going to get it instantly if you do all these things because it's a slog. And yeah. I think if you come into recruitment, you have to be prepared that you might get really lucky and have success very quickly. But a lot of the time it takes time. So let's look at a deco. I've gone in there, but I've got four years prior experience of doing this. So it's a lot easier in a sense because I know what needs to be done. Mm. I know the conversations I need to have. So actually the results came very quickly. But then if we look at that, that's because I've got four years previous sure. experience. If you're coming straight in and you're doing these things and you're being honest and you're building up the database from scratch, you've got these Excel spreadsheets and you've got this structure. I actually think that you will see success way quicker than if you're just finger in the air, who am I calling today? Yeah. But I think you have to be consistent and Probably do it for six to 12 months before you start seeing regular success. The more shit you are when you do it to begin with, <laughs> the better, because yeah. you're going to learn. Like the conversations I had, if you could hear them now, those bad. BD chats, so bad. Bad, yeah. So bad. It's probably Same. embarrassing. Like, so I'm glad there's no recordings, but <laughs> I just, do you have any jobs? No, yeah, okay. So bad. Like, you didn't get anything else out of those calls. Such a waste of time. How long did it take to sign your first client? Oh, do you know, I don't even know. Who was no. my first client? First um, three months? Yeah, no, it was. I did a deal within my first, like, four weeks at a deco. Okay. I actually can't even remember Fair, but who it was. Oh, but it was in the first four weeks then? Yeah, yeah, it was. It okay. was. Yeah, I was just getting back in touch with people that I had relationships with as candidates. Mm. And then they were working at certain businesses. And then, yeah. Went from there. Okay. Went from there. Let's now talk about the approach then. Because mm -hmm. like we've spoken about how you've been smart around how to basically use information to your advantage, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've then organised that in the way. So then when you do put time into business development, you're hopefully doing it in places that can give you the outcomes that you want in the short term, medium term, long term, because you've broken it down in these, in these different sort of buckets. Why don't we start then? Talk to us about the six week approach. I really like that because that sort of simplifies things. Where did that come from? What's the purpose of that? You know, who are you putting on that six week cadence on that six week, you know, approach and like what, why basically? Yeah. Okay. So I was finding it was getting really busy, which is a great position to be in. But then I was working all of these jobs and letting my business development slide, which is always a juggling yeah. and there's always a balance for us. So I was like, well, how can I stop this happening? And I need to take it back to basics and look at my day plan, look at my organization and my structure of how I'm splitting up my days between business development and resourcing. So what I did is I looked at that Excel spreadsheet that we've just discussed and Outlook is my absolute best friend as well. I utilise my Outlook massively. So what I do is my Outlook's all, I'm such a visual learner. Yes, okay. all colour coded. So I do my day plan and I'll say, right, for this business development, what I'm going to do is week one is terms of business clients agreed. I'm going to get in contact with them and I'm going to dedicate one or two hours per day. I'll make it all the way through that list. Week two is going to be the next, so on and so forth. But then alongside that, I would also have easier business development activities because a lot of those are effort, they're conversations. So if we're looking at mail shots, there are, I actually find a lot of success from mail shots, but that's only been within the last one, two years because that's been a lot more focused as well. So back in the day, we would have a database, loads and loads of clients, and I'd just say, I've got a great QARO manager, ping it out to everyone. Yeah. You might get lucky if you get a response, but that's not a great way of doing things. So my advice to people would be in the success that I've seen is localised mail shots. So if I've got a candidate in Manchester, I'm contacting 
Manchester-based companies saying, I've got this candidate. If I've got a candidate with wound care experience, I'm contacting all my wound care clients. And the way that I know where my clients are, are hot lists, call lists, whatever you might call them in your agency. And it's great if you're starting from scratch. If you're not and you've already got an existing database, start doing this. As soon as I add a client, let's say, oh, I'm an orthopedic client, they're going in my orthopedic call list. If I add a candidate and they're in Manchester, they're going in my Manchester candidate call list. So that as soon as then I've got a job in Manchester, I can go and call my quality Mm. managers in Manchester. It's just all about segmenting it to make your life as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. So business development, it will be, yeah, sending out those mail shots that are really, really tailored and those responses have honestly now gone through the roof yeah yeah so just it's much easier to send a mail shot to everyone and hope for the best so yeah segmentation make sure the people that are receiving that it makes sense that they're receiving that yeah have to ask what's going in this mail shot yeah a lot of people send mail shots like what what's your like non-negotiables on on the mail shots and not the answer you want because it's different each time depending on who it is but i'll give you one that i sent i sent last week actually it was it's a bit of a scary title, but you've got to be clickbait, right? Yeah, we know let's this. Do it. So I actually did have someone that was made redundant in quality. Okay. So my title was redundancy in QA. Okay. And they're probably thinking, holy shit, like everyone's oh, been made redundant. Yeah. <laughs> Touch and go. But it got some clicks. Okay, right? redu- redundancy in QA. Because it was have true. I, oh my God, have I lost my job? Yeah, for sure. It's like, no, you haven't, but someone else has. Can you help? Um, so it was legit, but obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, redundancy in QA. So this person was made redundant. So I'd literally just say like, hi, hi, mm. whatever the name is. Yeah. Hi, Joe. I'm working with this candidate. They're literally, they're based in Manchester. They're about 20 minutes from your site because it would be really local. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they've been made redundant. Their experience includes one, Thanks. two, three bullet points. Appreciate I've emailed you out the blue, but said I do all I can to help this candidate that I've worked with for the last two years. Is there anything that you think they could suit at the moment? Mm. More than happy to send a CV on request. I will never send a CV. I will never send a profile unless engaged by the client. Mm-hmm. One, GDPR, you just cannot do it with candidates now. It's really shit recruitment. Don't mm. do it. But two, that means the client needs to come back to you. They don't have yeah, visual. Yeah, the goal of that is to start a conversation. Yeah, you've got to start a conversation and get them on the phone. So that's a really generic one. Um, nice? And I have done more tailored ones for my target client list as mm. well, which we, we can dive into as well. Okay, so mail shots is one of your core ways of approach then? Yeah, definitely. That e- easier approach, easier, yeah. yeah, rather than being on the phone. What else we got going on then? BD. Mm. What other parts are fundamental to your approach that you feel has been effective in terms of helping you move those clients into each each area? Yeah, I think it's consistency in approach. So we've got that six week period, but also being really tailored in your approach for your target clients. Mm-hmm. So I think I mentioned to you before about this subject line. So I've just said about redundancy and QA, but let's put yourself in that client's shoes. They are honestly getting hundreds of approaches a day. Mm. Why are they going to open your message? Why are they going to come back to you? I've been desperate to get this client back on. I wish I could say I've got them right now. I don't. I opened them up for my last business and they're a huge account. Mm. And then I moved on and because I was working contract, they were always hiring perm. Even though I opened them up, I didn't get any love. So I've not got those relationships. And I've been trying and trying to get in contact with this person. And it's really important in recruitment. You've got to find a fine line between you're getting in touch and you're not being a pest. Yeah. So I hadn't got in touch and I sent this subject line, this person who's in HR that I need to build the relationship with. She's been on holiday and I saw that she was eating chips by the beach and I've been trying to call her and every time I call her, she's either on leave or like can't speak. Yeah. So I literally just put holiday chips and quality. And I just think like those little subject lines are so different to recruitment or yeah. partnerships. 
she's probably thinking, why is someone like putting chips in the title? <laughs> I'm actually really using this three-prong approach now because mm. it's had such a good success rate. Um, and then I would just bring that into the email. Oh, hi, every time I've called you, you've been on holiday or I'm seeing yeah, on LinkedIn, you're eating chips. Yeah. yeah. Or again, it's just personalization. So it takes more time, but these target client lists on LinkedIn, there's another client where I met with about four years ago, not been back in touch. And then I saw they did a podcast. Mm. So I thought, right, I'm going to be different. I'm going to listen to this podcast. And there was a transcript. So I took some information from it. And I said, I listened to your podcast. I really loved X, Y, and Z. I said, I met you four years ago and I've not managed to get back in touch with you since. But the direction you're going in, I really want to be part of. I know you've hired three people this year through an agency. What's it going to take for us to get back in and have that conversation with you. I got a meeting booked. Let's go. Just, let's go. I was like, I, love that. I always celebrate those small wins. Because 100%. everyone, everyone. And what, what did that response look like? It was like, oh, like, um, thanks for listening to the podcast or like, yeah. hope you enjoyed the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, it was CEO and I put podcast feedback and then whatever the title was, they're going to want their ego rubbed and see yeah. what's the feedback. I want to, I want to click mm. that. So they clicked to open, just said, hi, Amy, really good to hear from you. And thanks for the feedback. It was a great mm. talk. No recruitment this year, but let's, put some time in for the back end of the year. And I said, cool, I'll send you an invite. He's accepted the invite. Whether he's going to turn up. No, but still, that's like that's progress, <laughs> that's right? That's it, progress, exactly. So then now you can move them along in that spreadsheet. Like if, yeah. if it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you've got what, lead no response or like things. So they're, yeah. move, they're, move, they're progressing, which is the, the whole objective, right? Yeah, but you've got to find that right environment for you because when I first started in recruitment, it was quite old school of they, you want 50 dials on the phone, you want two hours. And I think that's really good when you're starting out to understand the intensity, but you don't have time then if you're going to hit those KPIs mm to tailor these types of messages that actually do get a good response. And don't get me wrong, my first point of call is not email. I always try and call them first. These emails are only in follow-up when I can't reach them because it's all about different touch points. Call, then email and connect on LinkedIn so that you're in your you're in their face in every yeah. avenue. So you need to find a business that they might set you KPIs, but you have to have the freedom to be yourself, tailor try these messages things. and try different things. Yeah. yeah, it's not just that one-prong approach. Because that, that was going to be my next question. Like, how have you then incorporated the phone in this? Because it seems very... Mm-hmm being personalised, working smart, very online, you know, yeah. heavy, right? So has that been really pivotal that you're following up, at least trying to get them on the phone and these things, and then all the stuff that you've spoken about helps you build trust or helps you mm. stand out. So then when you do get them on the phone and you're yourself and you're authentic, you have a better chance. Yeah, yeah, always. And this is my advice to my team as well, because I think we've got a few younger people in the team who you've we grow up, right, with emails and texts. Mm. And so that's their approach to clients. But you cannot beat picking up the phone, getting your personality across and having those conversations. So I know I've spoken a lot about emails and lists, mm. but I will always, always recommend you call them first, leave a voicemail. So I'm going to pop you some information on an email. You then make sure you send them that email and you'll send the email. I'm going to connect with you on LinkedIn. And then you do that. So there's three different things there that they've had from you in the space of an hour. Love yeah. That. Okay. I think the natural progression of this then, because I know we're going deep in the BD stuff, but I know this, yeah. is, this is what... Uh, I love I feel BD like you're now. In, you're in, yeah, yeah okay. I love it. I used to hate it, but now I love it. I feel like I found my flow. So what, why? Let's just talk about that, because yeah. people will relate to what you just said. I used to, I hate BD. Mm-hmm. What's changed? Is obviously, part of it, obviously, you shared with me a big part of, you know, you enjoying recruitment again was, you know, being an environment that encouraged you to be yourself or gave you more autonomy. That's obviously part of it. But why do you now feel like that? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Vincherry. Now, what I wanted to ask all of you today is the following. Is your recruitment CRM efficient? Is it helping or hindering your business development efforts? 
here are the three biggest signs that your CRM is dragging you down. One, data's missing. Scan information and unsearchable candidates. Two, user adoption. No one likes using the system or worst, aren't using it at all. Three, accessibility. Your consultants are having a hard time locating the data and only a few know how the system works. If your CRM is not delivering value, don't settle. Your database is your biggest lever for growth. And because you listen to this episode, you will get 10% off the user price for Vincherry forever, for life, exclusively for all of you that listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already considered Vincherry, your CRM, if you feel like your CRM is letting you down, particularly in the time of need right now in acquiring clients, use the link in the show notes, get a discovery call booked in and see if it could be a good fit for your business. Now let's get back to the episode. Firstly, when you first start, you'll be shit scared of doing BD. Yeah. It's normal. Everyone is. I was. But also you won't believe in yourself. Like self-belief is huge. So Mm. I would not, I wouldn't even put myself in the position for success because I would think I can't call that CEO. He's going to think, why are you contacting me? I can't Mm. email them. I can't take time out of their day. Yes, you can. Like (laughs) you are actually trying to do them a favor. So the sooner I realize all they're going to say is no. Sometimes they, like very, very rarely you'll get someone that swears at you. Mm. That's on them. They're having a bad day. Okay, move on. But you do get, we always hear the word resilience and you do build that over time. The more rejection you get, the more, the less you care about it. So mm. firstly, if you're starting out in recruitment, I know it's scary. Just, just get on the phone and do it and you'll hate it, but you have to just do it and find your flow. And then I think the reason I do enjoy it more is because that's firstly it has come with a bit more success because you're like oh do you know what I can do this I can Mm. get this right and you see the success so that's that reward loop but also just because I'm doing it in my own way I had no structure when I was doing BD it was finger in the air do a BD power hour oh my god who am I going to call never only getting voicemails or getting rejected but now I pre-plan it I have my excel spreadsheet I know what I'm going to say I know what my selling is going to be that week and so it's, it's much easier because mm. I know what I'm going to do and you'll get better results. So just try and have that structured approach. And I promise you that is going to yeah, make your life easier. Yeah, you. get that system that works for you. It might not look like mine, but find out what works, what for, works you for you and you, go yeah. with it. So I think what would sort of be good to naturally talk about here then would be we've got this approach, we've built our system. Obviously, part of your success has been that you've done work repeatedly with customers rather than it all just being like spot business, right? Yeah. So what's been fundamental there? I feel like sometimes, obviously, one, you're going to have to deliver on, you know, finding people, getting them great people. But also then what has Amy done to really deliver a great experience, which I know that you care about? What are you doing on job qualification that may be a bit different? When you do agree terms and you start working with these companies, what are you doing that you feel like has had a real impact in them going, you know what, they found us, uh, Amy found us the great person, but she also did this and... We absolutely love that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What else have you done do you think that's really impacted Mm. you having repeat clients and repeat business? I've got so many thoughts going through my head at the moment and like so many examples of when I've done it right, but also done it wrong and lost business. And I think when I've lost business, there's been a lot of learns from that. So I'll probably touch on a few of those points as well. Repeat business, first and foremost, I would say one of my clients the other day, they called me with a job and I I asked them, I was like, can I ask why, why you're using me again? Like not in a shocked way, but like, it's just good to know what's working. 
he says, when I send him CVs, I do an overview of why they're good, but I also say where their weaknesses might be. Mm. Think a lot of the time in sales, we want that deal. We want that person to get the job. We're like, they're so good because of this, this and this. <laughs> but then it overlooks when they might they might fall short on a few things. So why not tackle that up front? So I'll say they've, they might be a little bit weak on the personality, maybe mm. a bit too timid for what you need. So test them on that in the interview. And they love that transparency because I'm really being a partner. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sell this candidate. I want them to get the job. But equally, I really want them to be the right fit. So I'll say where they might fall short so they can test them a bit. Also, these job spec calls, if they're not going to give me the time of day for a job spec call, mm. I'm in a position now, I'm not going to work that job. And in the past, if someone was like, oh, can you just send CVs? probably would have done it because I was early on in my recruitment career. Mm. I wanted the deal, like I wanted a new client on. But unfortunately, you will realise they're the clients that you're not going to do the deals with. They're going to mm. be a nightmare to work with. So get a job on. Someone wants to work with me and I'm a minimum an hour like booking that call out for. And that call, you know, all right now, I love structure. Even though I've done it for so many years, I've got my list of questions that I'm asking them. So I don't fall short. I don't forget. So we'll talk through what's the job look like, soft skills, projects they're going to be working on, all these things that I can really then paint a picture of the candidate and get yeah. them excited. I don't care about the job description. That's great. But it doesn't tell the picture. It does. I, whenever I've seen a job description, I'm not excited about it. I'm excited mm -hmm. about what can I get my teeth stuck into. But at the end of that call... A lot of the time, back in the day, I'd have been like, okay, brilliant. I'll get your CVs when I'll get your CVs and leave we'll catch me. up then. Leave it with yeah. me. But then how do you know when you're next going to speak to them? Have you locked mm. them down on feedback? Have you agreed SLAs? I want this as a partnership. So I'm going to respect you, put loads of time into this and get you CVs. But I need that respect back. And I need us to have agreements of CV feedback, catch up points. And so I can be really open with the candidate and they have a good experience. I feel like an extension of my clients when I work with them. And I know how small the medical market is and a lot of other markets, they need to have that good rep about candidate experience. Mm. And that's what I'm delivering. So I will say at the end of the meeting, what works really well for a lot of my clients is if we put in a weekly catch up call, 10, 15 minutes over Teams, over the phone, whatever works for you. I can then be really transparent in what the feedback is from the market, whether people are happy with the salary, location, anything we might need to flex on. And we can have that as a touch point that if I don't hear from you at all, I know at that point I'm getting CV feedback and we're moving things along. Hopefully I will hear from them before and I normally do, but we know when we're catching up. It's then a very good indicator. If the client misses that one time, mm. second time, they're not committed. You put that job on the back burner and you email them and you say, I've not managed to catch up with you. We set this in place. This is what we agreed from the outset. I really want to support you and work this job, but I'm sure you can appreciate I need to work with clients who are ready to go. Mm. Let me know when you're ready. We can pick this back up. It's not being scared to call your clients out. Like mm. you are giving them your time. You're good at what you do. You've got to hold them accountable, but you then have to deliver as well. So I think those things have been really good because then the, the clients I'm working with are like, okay, she's a partner of mine. I got to treat her that way. We treat them the same and then they want to work with you again because you're just honest. You do what you say you're going to do. You hold them accountable as well as them you. I love I that. I think those are the best. That's been, that's been fundamental. Closing yeah. those meetings after, after you've done a job spec, agreeing the next steps. Because then you're not a recruiter, you're a consultant. And mm. I think that's a really massive difference as you are in the industry a lot more. Recruiters are quite transactional. Mm -hmm. You get a job, you place it, on to the next consultants are you are working with your clients who get the best results you sometimes have to have uncomfortable conversations but they're going to value and respect that more mm. and come back to you again when they need help and mm. that's the big shift i love I that 
what other service level agreements do you agree? Do you agree? Do you say like typically what my clients work to is if I send over a CV, mm-hmm. I'd expect feedback within 48 hours. Yeah. Like, is it what, what other things do you agree with them? I, d- I wouldn't say I dive too deep. So okay. I would say like if I send a CV, I would hope that we could get feedback in 48 hours. Yeah. Typically, I would I would give myself a week. I would normally be able to send CVs within two, three days. Yeah. If I'm sending them quicker, I've either got a candidate already in mind or I've got lucky because mm. I need to have detailed conversations with my candidate. So I'll say that to clients because I think sometimes they want people straight away and they can get that from some agencies. But, and I'm not saying this with all, but whenever I've seen that, They've just sent a candidate and not had a conversation. So I, I'll mm. tell them that. But I will say CV feedback within 48 hours, then usually interviews. We want to break down the stages on this speckle. So I would say two stages, really, if you're going to do any more, you, you are going to be falling short of the competition. Not many people are doing three, even mm-hmm. at senior level. Yep. So we'd agree the interview process. And then the main thing is agree in that weekly catch up, getting that in the diary, sending them a calendar invite. They accept it and put that reoccurring until the job is filled. So only those three things and yeah, simple. that's simple. Yeah. Well, what I really, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like what that also enables you to do, which a lot of recruiters I feel like fail to do when they're not being as much of a consultant is you then have an opportunity every week to showcase the work that you're doing. Yeah. Because if Amy back in the day was like, yeah, I'll get you CVs. You don't speak for five, six days because you haven't been able to, uh, it's taken a little while. They might be thinking, what, what the fuck's Amy what's she doing like, what's she doing right yeah. but every week you're going so look this week I've managed to speak to this amount of people mm-hmm. um, so far actually the feedback on your brand has actually been really positive these yeah. are some of the reasons why however you know we mentioned about this role and I said to you that it might actually be a bit difficult to get some of that experience because of the pay bracket mm-hmm. I am getting that sort of pushback and like do you know what I mean like you can do have all those things it's a 10-15 minute call every week mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to showcase what you're doing I had that just this week. We're looking for a role for one of my key clients at the moment and they are paying 45 grand and it's a really hard location to find people. And I said from the outset, it's going to be really difficult. Mm. I think you're going to have to go away and get higher salary. We've got it up now. Two weeks later with that feedback, we've got them four CVs, but they haven't got the experience that they need on the management piece. And I've said it is because of salary. People are already on 50, 55 We've got 65K now. That's a 20K jump. Mm. That wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have had these touch points and that approach. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And do you think that has then enabled you to agree better terms? Yeah, definitely. Everybody wants cheap at the moment. I'm finding that. And there's Mm. a lot of people that can do cheap percentage fees. But then I always hear on the spec calls, they've got a lot of trash and they're not getting regular updates. So that is a big USP and a sales point that I'll say, look, I'm not not the cheapest, but this is what you're going to get from me. If service is what you're after, that is what I pride myself on. And I do pride myself on results. But if I won't get you results, you will have like a structure in place or you will have an understanding of how you can find people or what you need to flex on. Because I want to fill every job, but let's be honest, you can't always Mm. because it might not be the right salary. It might not be the right location or there might just be another recruiter if it's multi-agency that's had a head start or a better candidate at that time. Mm. That's okay. But what impression have you left that client with? Why are they going to come back to you even if you didn't fill the role? And they will if you've done a really, really good process and experience. Do you use case studies? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, all the time. How do you use them? Well, a lot of the time, if there's clients, let me give you an example. In Manchester, I had a spec call a couple of weeks ago. And again, their salary was like five to seven K. Not loads, but five to seven K under the market. Yeah. 
And I'm quite lucky in Manchester. It's a big hub for me. I've got quite a few clients. And I just gave them an example. I said, look, I'm working with this person, which is pretty local, so a competitor for you. They actually were just hiring for a quality specialist. We filled that within two weeks. And this is why. This was the salary. This was the process. I said, you're telling me you want somebody on this date. Reality is we're going to really struggle because you are paying below this and so it is just really giving them real-time examples and to telling them what what the market's doing I would never give and I really respect my clients I'm not going to give solid competitor information that's an unfair advantage Mm -hmm. for clients but I'll give them a heads up on this is what the market's doing this is what the candidates are looking for this is an example from a recent experience and hiring experience I just had. If you don't follow process, you're going to struggle. Struggle, yeah. It's your call. Um, and I, they, they do appreciate and it. And these case studies, are they like, you know, have marketing got their hands on them? Are they just, have you just put them together? Or like No, a deco. I mean, if someone watches this, they're not going to love it. But um, marketing is great for the wider a deco, but for the small sections if we want to do something like that we pretty much She's need to go out do it ourselves so what did you just make this on canva or something yeah i've got a canva account um just i love canva anyway yeah. like for my own personal side so i do a bit on there we had one mark i have to give a shout out to our marketing i did reach out to them recently because i was over my head and i needed a pitch deck i actually lost a bid i put a linkedin post about it so i don't know if you saw but mm. i had this bd call he'd been recommended to me from a client i place with and this company looked so good. I was like, you know, when you want to work with them, I was yeah, like, yeah. I want to like, work with this, this so this bad. Fucking, yeah. And we were vibing. Like we had such a good spec call, yeah. so much information. But you always, even at this level, like you have to see, right, what did I do wrong? And there was a few things. One, he wasn't the sole person that could make the decision. There was a board decision and I'd only met with him. And you didn't know that or didn't know that? Didn't know that. Okay, yeah. Didn't ask that question. I just yeah. assumed. My bad. Yeah, like when you last worked with an agency mm-hmm. who was involved in making that decision. Exactly. So I slipped up there. Like I hold my hands yeah. up. And two, I thought we had a really good experience. I sent over our terms. I agreed the next touch point to find out who he was going to work with. I asked what it would take to decide who'd work with. Ask all of that. But the person that got the job, they sent over a pitch deck. So they sent over our terms. And this is then how we're going to work that role. Ooh. So cool, right? So I, I when I told, was told and heartbroken that I didn't get the job because I'd already written up like the LinkedIn, I was manifesting it. I was like, this is the job. I'm so yeah, excited yeah, to be yeah. working it. Then on the next day, when sorry, you haven't got it. I was like, right, where did I go wrong? Because I thought we had a good Well, firstly, a good great fucking question that you asked that. I oh, for that. sure. Yeah, I need to know. Like, I take yeah. these things personally. I'm competitive <laughs> with myself. It's like, where did I go wrong? And he said, look, really like you, but this other this other business sent over a pitch deck, exactly breaking down who they were going to contact, how they're going to work our role. I presented that to the board versus a conversation we had and they were like, let's go with this, these people. I said, okay, maybe I should have asked for it, but I didn't. I just said, okay, so a pitch deck's what it might have taken. He said, yeah. I said, really appreciate that. So I went to our marketing team and I was like, I lost out on business because I don't have a pitch deck. I need to sit down with you and make one. And I've now made a pitch deck. So anytime if I'm up against another agency, I'm following up and sending that. So that's been a learn for me, but it's now a competitive edge exactly, that I yeah. can do. I love that. Um, that's been yeah. a game changer in my sales process. I've spoken yeah. to it a few times now, but that that is a, such a great asset. Yeah. Because... Why would you not have something that visually supports like the way that you work? Yeah. And imagine, particularly in those scenarios where he then had to go into a board meeting and go, 
well, I met this really great recruiter, Amy, she come recommended. This is her background. This is what she's going to do. And like, they basically just have to rely on his words. Exactly. And then I go on, and then I spoke to this other person who's got similar experience to Amy, actually. And then I can also show you, you know, what they're going to do from the moment that we sign terms with them. Yeah. Like you probably would have done the exact same thing that they did, but yeah. he could walk into that meeting with some a visual asset mm -hmm. that he can then use to sort of get the sign off on that. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's a great tool that you'll now have, mm -hmm. which again, just, it just levels up the experience yeah. before they've even agreed terms with you before before they've even started working with you. Yeah, and I think it's a big learn for me because mm. it just goes to show from those negative experiences and those rejections, what can you learn to improve next time? Mm. I really was hoping I was going to get that and it hurt, but I can't dwell on that. I'm like, right, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Let's go again. And you have to have that mentality. You can't dwell on it. You have to just go again. And then quick one, mm. what are the headings on that pitch deck? So what what have you now yeah. put into it if you didn't have one before? What like what have you put into it that you mm -hmm. think is worthwhile putting into it? Yeah, it'd be good to get your feedback on this after as well okay. to see if I've missed anything. So we've got the overview. So I put the client name and my name um, and then the date that we spoke and yep. then do a brief spec overview. So my understanding of the role. Like a recap what project. I've learned. Yeah, brief recap. Then it will be the process I'd follow. So we do specification call, then candidate qualifications, CV submissions, interviews, just that timeline of events. Yeah. Then if they've given me a specific timeline, we need this person by September, I'll walk it back. I'll be like, right, well, you need to give me CV feedback by mm. June. Interviews, last interviews need to be this date in July, offer this date for them to start then. So yeah. it's like, you need to meet these SLAs. Mm -hmm. Then meet the team. So if there's any other roles that they want to work on, it's me and the rest of the team. This is what we do just so that you've got that in there. And then I'll give them how that we will resource. So what platforms that we use to yeah. resource. I've then got a testimonial page with some LinkedIn highlights or email feedback that I've got. People always want to buy from people that enjoyed yeah. an experience. And I think then it's just a page on our terms as well, even though we've got the terms separately. Mm -hmm. It's nothing major, but that it's sounds, just that a visual. Like I was going to say, if you have yeah. testimonials, you've got to have testimonials. In there. But that's, that sounds like a that sounds like a pretty solid, simple yeah. overview. Yeah. That's exciting to start using that. That's You're going to be buzzing when you start closing people with that. Oh, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm just waiting, actually. I had a meeting yesterday and sent my first time sending Send the pitch deck. So we'll see. What you should consider is actually potentially incorporating that in your spec call. Okay, yeah. Because you could, I, I think that would be a good thing to do. So Send like, that over, yeah. That could, well, with, no, within, within that hour, mm. within that hour, you could be like, right, so for the first 30 minutes, mm -hmm. I want to go through the role. Yeah. And then what I'm going to do is I'm then going to um, actually go through, you know, the process. You could have like half of that pitch deck. Yeah, I love I mean? that. That's a good idea. So you could be like, let's do all the information. And then what I'm going to do is, look, instead of me talking through everything, I find, you know, people find it a bit more easy to visually see. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to talk to you through, like, if we do sign terms and I start working with you, this is what the process looks like. Yeah. And then we'll go through that together. Any questions, you know, any hesitation, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what I'm going to do is now I'm going to follow up with, you know, what we've gone through today, what I've learned about the role and also, you know, my process. Yeah, that, I like that. That would make that mint. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that's let me know. I think that would be a good little way to use it because then you're using it during the process. Yeah. And then, do you know And people I mean? are visual learners. I'm a visual learner. That's what I mean because it so takes it away it. feeling from like just a chat. Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I mean? And it's like, because then you make it, you know, co-branded it's like you put their company logo in there Ooh, I've call. not got that good idea company no, definitely, logo definitely do that so yeah. like it's just you just template it you just change the company logo each time yeah with yours that taking would do, that, that would one for good. free thanks <laughs> <laughs> um, so look let's end with then like 
you saw my post this week. I think you have every right to to be here. Like clearly, like you've learned a lot. Absolutely love your mindset. Yeah. You've you're clearly, you know, really found your groove, your your building, your brand, your market. Why is it that when I reach out to <laughs> You know, women, 50% of people say, I'm not sure, you know, you should yeah. have me on the podcast. Because you, you try to justify I know. why you should be here, right? And I was like, I no, know. you have every right to be here. So just talk to us about, you know, your experience and anything that can inspire more women listening to this. You know, step into that yeah. fucking confidence and like, no, I should be where I am and I am good and these mm, things. I know. And I loved, I loved that post and I was reading through the comments like, oh my God, so many women feel the same. Yeah. Why is that? I've been thinking about this on the way up. Like, how am I going to answer that? Because I think it's a different experience for a lot of women. I think there's a lot of men in recruitment. Mm -hmm. When you look at, it's similar to engineering roles. There's a lot of men. It's just very male dominated. And it really lends itself well to men because typically by nature, they're more resilient. They ask for what they want. They've like got this dominating presence. Like it just works well in recruitment. But on the flip side, as women... By nature, we are quite caring, very detail orientated. Like we can bring so much more to the table as well. So I just think as women, we need to not be afraid to shout about we're doing well. Like, mm. We're doing really well and we're OK to share it. I think a lot of the time, even growing up, it might go back to when we were younger, but it's just like, oh, oh, you know, you've got to be humble. Don't don't speak too much about your successes. Mm. You, know, you don't want people to think you're, you're big headed. Mm. That's always what you get told. I, I got told about that a lot, I think. Not from the immediate family. My family are great. They want to build you up. They mm. want you to be successful. But yeah. And so I just wouldn't shout about my successes much. And then you just feel like, oh, I'm not great. I'm not great compared to everyone else. And in recruitment, a lot of the time, I think my reason to you was you said, oh, you know, you've got top biller in, in the decker. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but just FYI, like the billings weren't amazing like what you've had on mm. your podcast before. I felt inferior because I see all these huge million pound billers, half a million pound billers. I'm not there yet. and But I personally don't have a desire to be. For me, mm. I just want to be working with clients time and time again, consistently bill and bill a decent amount that gives me a good lifestyle and work mm. balance as well. But I think women in business, in general, we need to be more vocal about our success, willing to help other people and build people up and find our voice because you can very easily be silenced if you're not that outgoing sometimes in a recruitment company. But just don't be afraid to speak up, speak about your successes and help other women get to where we damn well should be because we can do it too. And I think there just needs to be more more role models around there and Oh, you're doing that today. Doing it, so yeah. I've put myself out of my comfort zone, so hopefully some Absolutely. other women will be uh, be happy to come on for you as well. Love it. I appreciate you having me on as well. I was nervous, but you put me right, yeah, at, so right at ease. But yeah. no, look, Amy, thank you so much. Love your story. Love your mindset. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. 
but we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are gonna be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly, and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.